This morning we turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 30, continuing our studies in the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 30, we come to the golden altar or the altar of incense. A smaller piece of furniture. We're getting closer to the inner room, the holiest of all, where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat, the cherubim over the top, looking down. The altar of incense. I'm going to read verses in chapter 30. Thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of shatim or acacia wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be. And two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. The top thereof and the sides thereof round about and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about, or round, yes, round about, and two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it, and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shatim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at evening, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generation. You shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, grain offering. Neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonement. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. And then we'll we'll look at, uh, in verses 23 to 38, actually I'm just going to read, you have verses 23 and following the holy anointing oil uh, and its uh, ingredients. And after that, he begins to tell them about the uh, ingredients of the incense, beginning with verse 34. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, stachni, ankia, galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. Of each shall there be a like weight. Thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. 
And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make it to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make light unto that, the smell thereto shall even be cut off from his people. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Our subject this morning is Christ and prayer. Christ and prayer. What did Old Testament worship look like? Well, they had offerings of fire. The burnt offering, the bronze offering. Death for sin. Death to sin. The cleansing of the labor, the bath, forgiveness. The lighting of the lamp, revelation of God's Word, the table of bread, communion with God and feasting upon His Word, the ark, God's throne room, His inner room. And so, these pieces of furniture and the priesthood, the offerings, were uh, means, pictures and means of worship. And so they prayed the altar of incense. Prayer is the main idea. We believe that because, for instance, the psalm that we sung and read, Psalm 141, verse 2 says, Let my prayer come before thee as incense. And then you remember Zacharias' job revealed in Luke chapter 1 was to burn incense at the altar of incense in the temple. And it says that uh, the multitude was praying outside at the time of incense. And so you see the connection between incense and prayer. And then in the book of Revelation, incense and prayer are coupled together in chapter 8, verses 3 and 4. A little bit of what Old Testament worship was like. So you had uh, sights and sounds and smells and touches. Um, and tastes. You had the whole man, as it were, engaged in the worship of God, uh, lifting up of Christ prophetically, uh, pictorially in, in the altar of incense, and the fact that they could plead the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and and that they, the priests who represented the people, were the ones seeing the lamp and the table and the altar of incense. And so, communicating to the people that God sheds light upon the gospel of Christ, the bread, and the fact that uh, there's intercession for us going on. And we have the privilege of prayer if we're the Lord's if we're forgiven. Now, of course, in the New Testament, we're given out in straight language, not very many pictures. You have the Lord's Supper, the bread and the fruit of the vine, and you have baptism, picture of the cleansing of our sins and the picture of, of Christ uh, crucified so that we remember His death until He comes. But in the New Testament, we have singing and praying and preaching, teaching, giving, 
covenant making, oaths and vows, the Lord's Supper, etc. But the whole man is being engaged and all of our, our senses are being exercised. Heart, soul and mind and you know, the sights and sounds and touches and hearing and smells even. And especially in the Old Testament, the smells were something that was a, was a part of the tabernacle worship and the temple worship. You had uh, very difficult smells. They had evening and morning, the, 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 the burning of the bodies of the sacrifices, and there had to be the, the stench of burning flesh. But then you had the sweet smell going on in, in the the first room, the dining room of the Lord, you have this, the, the smell of fresh bread, frankincense, which kind of gave a, uh, um, I don't know, a, like like uh, the, the greenery, like that we might, we might smell in an evergreen uh, grove or an evergreen forest. Uh, but you had especially the sweet smells of all the, those spices in. Upon the, the uh, incense altar, the sweet spices, as they're called. And you know, um, if you have the, the, the blessing of the, the sense of, of your smell, olfactory, you think of some smells that are really good and really bad, right? Um, you have bad smells, and if you've got, gotten close to road kills, and, and uh, if you've passed. Uh, dumps, trash dumps. We know some very uh, bad smells. But who cannot think of some real special sweet smells, coffee wafting into the air, uh, the smell of fresh cookies being baked, or even grandmother or grandfather's home. There was a special smell to it. Uh, baked bread, freshly baked bread, just the smells of, of the feasts that we have at Thanksgiving and Christmas, a roast in the oven. Well, the Lord had the altar of incense and the sweet smells that were to constantly waft from that piece of furniture over the veil and into the holiest of all, the holy of holies. And and so the Lord is the picture there is the Lord sweetly smelling, smelling the prayers of the saints, the sensing the prayers of the saints, and it's a sweet smell unto Him. The, the piece of furniture is a picture of Christ Himself as the mediator between God and man. Christ's prayers are certainly pictured in the incense. His prayers are sweet to the Lord, but in Christ. Where we we place the incense, probably not on top of the pure gold top, but probably they had a bowl with uh, simmering coals and the incense on top of those coals. And it's a picture of us in Christ praying, having access to the throne of God, and it's a sweet savor unto the Lord. As Proverbs says, the, the prayer of the upright is God's delight. So, just like the other pieces of furniture, there are a lot of uh, facts, a lot of 
um, information given, the altar of burnt incense or the golden altar was smaller than the table of, of showbread. It was one by one by two. It was square, just like the, the room, the, the, just like the, the Ark of the Covenant and even the room, the, the holiest of all. It was to be pure gold on the top and the sides. There was to be lesser gold that was that was uh, um, upon that was to, to, to cover the the uh, legs and the, the staves and the and the um, the rings, but it was it was closest to the veil, closest to the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat, right up against the veil. We believe it was probably in the middle. If you look in the room, as the priest went into the room, on the right was the table of bread, on the left was the, or the south was the, the lamp, but the incense altar was straight ahead, perhaps. doesn't say for sure that it was in the middle of the room, but that's the idea. And if you see your, your illustration, well, you can't see it in the middle because it's covered by the, the, um, the different uh, coverings of the tent itself, but the golden altar was uh, a smaller piece and most likely in the center in the room before the veil and the Ark of the Covenant and the holiest of all. They were, there was to be sweet incense burning morning and evening. They were to, to uh, bring in fresh coals and most likely the coals were brought from the bronze altar. And so the morning and evening burning of incense coincided with the morning and evening of the burning of offerings. And so every morning they would, they would place an offering on the bronze altar outside and every morning they would burn incense from those coals. Every evening the same way. And so you see the coinciding of the altar of sacrifice and the altar of incense. The altar of sacrifice and the altar of intercession, we might say, that took place simultaneously. There's a message certainly given there. And yearly, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, we're told in Leviticus 16, the holy anointing oil that is mentioned in chapter 30 and in its ingredients probably in droplets, were to be dropped upon all the pieces of furniture. Simply saying that because human hands are dealing with these pieces of furniture, there needs to be the, the symbolic cleansing of these things. Christ is pure gold. He is indeed, whether that's referring to His deity or His glorified humanity, but He's also man. Probably the, the uh, acacia wood, which was wood that lasted uh, a seasoned wood or wood that, that would take a long time before it ever decomposed picturing Jesus humanity so what, are, what, is, what is the message here it's, it's the message of prayer but Christ being pictured by this altar of incense you would combine the thoughts of Christ and prayer it's Christ is the golden altar of incense. The Bible is teaching ahead of time there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He's being prophesied and pictured here in the Old Testament 
But in the New Testament, we will find that this Savior was born. He was preaching. He was dying. He was rising. He was ascending. He was sitting and praying as He is now. He's preached and believed and He's coming back again. But Jesus is pictured in the tabernacle, the priesthood and the offerings. The Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He's pictured in the offerings as the sacrifice for sinners. He's pictured as the priest sacrificing. He laid down His life. He's pictured in the furniture, the success of His sacrifice. He's the door. He's the sacrifice that has been offered as a sweet savor to God. He's the one whose blood cleanses. He's the light of the world. He's the bread of life. The veil pictures His body. He is pictured in the ark. He is pictured by the ark. He is God and man. And the law is inside that box. The Bible teaches that God's law was in His heart. And the lid is picturing the fact of atonement. The atonement lid. It silences the ark that cries out for our condemnation. The blood is sprinkled upon that lid once a year. Picturing it's the blood of Jesus that, that now... Is not is crying not crying that the law no longer cries out for our condemnation, but the law is stating that we are justified. He's the golden altar of incense. So some thoughts about Christ and prayer, Jesus, and the example or the man of prayer. Christ again is the altar of incense. His prayers were sweet to God. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. These prayers were sweet incense to His Father. They ascended to heaven. The Father heard His prayers. Think about His his prayer before being arrested, recorded in John 17. The prayer for Him to be glorified. His disciples to be unified and future souls to be saved. These were sweet uh, savers as the incense of His prayer ascended to God. What a privilege we have to to, uh, have that prayer recorded for us. The Lord Jesus is the example of prayer. He was a man of prayer. Arising a great while before day. At meals we see Him giving thanks. Spontaneous prayer. Prayer in crisis and prayer in blessing. Jesus is a man of prayer. Jesus is still praying for us at the right hand of God. The incense of His prayer is continuing to burn. The smoke of that incense is filling heaven. People know that He's praying for us. He's praying for the church. He's praying for the day when we will all be united. Secondly, Jesus in the channel of prayer. The incense was brought to the altar. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It's teaching us there's, there's one channel to get into the throne room of God. It's through Christ as pictured in this golden altar. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's exclusively the bridge between God and man. He's closest to the inner sanctuary. Within 
five or ten feet of that Ark of the Covenant. Jesus is as close as you can get before that veil was ripped in two when He died for us. And now, through Christ's death, our prayers go right into the throne room of God, as it were. But it's always through Christ. We always should pray in Jesus' name. Understanding that our prayers are channeled to God through Christ alone. The Bible speaks of the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. Revelation 8, verse 3. And there is to be no imitation of the composition of the incense. In other words, we're not, off, we're not to have strange prayers and, or prayers that are offered to other gods. The Bible teaches us that we are to pray according to God's will and not invent prayers of our own that seem to be clever and yet are displeasing to God. Perhaps it's teaching also to beware of false Christs, bringing false uh, incense before God. It's This piece of furniture is teaching that Jesus is the channel of prayer. You cannot reach God without praying through Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God. No one should dare pray to God except through His Son. Salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification is through the merits of Christ. Thirdly, Jesus and the inspiration of prayer. This incense did not just sit there dried. It was, it was lit on fire. It burned. There was fire that, that caught that incense. And so the smoke began to wash. Incense is prayer. And it had to be burned to create the ascending smoke toward God. And could this not be the fact that in Christ our prayers are, are motivated? Our prayers are inspired, if you will. They're, our prayers are, are prayers of zeal. And prayers with a heart. Prayers that plead the merits of His blood and righteousness. Indeed, the coals taken from the bronze altar, our prayers are fueled by, by seeking God through Christ as our atoning sacrifice. Our felt prayers of Calvary, save me, O God, for Jesus' sake. Jesus died for me, Father. You must forgive me because... Jesus died for me. You received your Son. Oh, receive me in Him. In other words, inflamed prayer. Are our prayers dry? Are they without a heart? Are they just words? Or are they inflamed by the, by the truth of Calvary? Inflamed by the coals of the atoning work of Christ? The Bible says the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous one avail much. Jesus prayed fervently, didn't He? The Bible says even 
to the point of sweat drops of blood. You and I pray fervently for the salvation of souls, fervently for the forgiveness of sins, fervently for the Gospel to reach the ends of the earth, fervently for the Lord to rend the heavens and come down and make Himself known. Yes, the golden altar with the burning incense, Jesus and the inspiration of prayer. Remember that this altar also had horns on its corners. Protrusions. We don't know if they were straight up or curved. But they were horns. Horns speak of power throughout Scripture. Jesus and the power of prayer. Power inherent. The blood of Jesus. The intercession of Jesus Himself. But power universally. The four corners of this altar, do they not speak of the four corners of the earth? There's power in prayer as we pray for sinners and saints in Australia, as we pray for sinners and saints in, in Indonesia, we pray for sinners and saints up in Great Britain and, and up in, in Canada, the four corners of the earth, over to Russia. There's power in prayer. We plead the power of Christ's life and death. They avail much. The Bible says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Whatsoever ye shall ask in My name, I will do it. If ye you, if you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Call unto Me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou hast not yet known. Are we giving up in prayer? Or are we laying hold of the horns of the altar, spiritually speaking? Pleading the merits of His blood. Oh God, save Thine elect. Oh God, revive our hearts. Remember not against us former iniquities. Oh God, through, through Christ alone I pray. For Jesus' sake, for Jesus' sake, save sinners. For Jesus' sake, Rebuke His enemies and our enemies. For Jesus' sake, awaken the church of Christ. For Jesus' sake, drive out the worldliness in our hearts and the worldliness of our churches. O Lord, come down and visit us. Jesus in the power of prayer. Jesus in the pleasure of prayer. It was a sweet savor to God. Sweet incense. Sweet spices, we're told in verse 34. Wafting over the veil into the holiest place. Jesus was sweet to God, wasn't He? This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Thou always hearest Me. But in Christ, the prayer of the upright is God's delight. What think ye of Christ? We should always ask. He's a sweet savor to those that are saved. But... Christ is an odor of death to the lost. Oh, that Jesus might be a sweet smell to souls. That they would sense that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. That they desperately need Him. And oh, what a shepherd He is. He says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. The Lord is My shepherd. Jesus and the pleasure of prayer pleases God to hear us. We need to remember that as we approach the throne of grace. 
He's our Father. He sees His Son's life and death availing to it for us. And we come and say, Oh, Father, You love us with an everlasting love. May we not be hesitant to pray. We know that You are pleased with our prayers, our petitions, our cries, our thanksgivings, our praises. God loves to hear the saint pray on the merits of Christ. Christ, finally, Jesus in the continuation, the constancy of prayer, morning and evening, morning and evening. It was an everlasting statute. It was morning and evening, coinciding with the morning and evening sacrifices. And of course, we understand morning and evening as the idea of a figure of speech meaning in every time in between. As David would say, more evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and He shall hear my voice. Remember the words of Paul. Pray without ceasing. And so we see that, that prayer is always upon the merits of Christ's sacrifice. They coincided at the same time. Pleading the work of Christ day by day. But there's also the thought of we understand the morning and evening that there were stated times of worship. There were hours of prayer. Luke chapter 1, you remember that Zacharias was at the altar of incense and he he was burning the incense as a priest. And it says outside that the multitude was praying at the hour of incense. We see that Peter and John went up to the temple as recorded in Acts 3 at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, and so it was. And so it continues to be. There are times of worship, times of prayer. And we see even the Lord's Day. Psalm 92 says um, about worshiping the Lord in the morning and then concluding worship in the evening. We ought to keep the whole day separated unto the Lord. Jesus continues to plead His work constantly before the throne of grace. Oh, we have a place of prayer. It's in Christ alone. We have the privilege of prayer. It should be a pleasure to you and me. We should know the power of prayer in the fact that Christ rose from the dead, that He's a successful Savior. And oh, may God help us to know the the uh, continuation, the permanence, the... the uh, the constancy of prayer in our lives. May God help us to be a prayerful people. The Lord is teaching us the privilege of prayer. The church needs to be a praying church. May God help us. Thank God for the prayer meetings of the church where we gather together to seek the Lord's face. It's the hour of prayer. May the, may the incense be burning. May our prayers be fervent, faithful, pleading for Sinners to be saved. Pleading for backslidden saints to be restored. Pleading for the Lord to visit in preparation for His glorious coming. Let us all be men and women of prayer based upon the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank You for the pictures of our Savior and the pictures of prayer in Jesus' name. Oh, help us to understand this privilege of worship. Lord, thank You for inventing, yea, 
commanding us to pray. What a, an outlet to our hearts that are often sorrowful. Often, Lord, we cry because they're surfeited with the cares of this world. And, and we, we, we need this outlet. We need the throne of grace for forgiveness, for power, for grace, for comfort. Lord, for help. We ask, Lord, that You would give the church again the spirit of prayer and supplication. May our prayer meetings come alive again. Oh God, we pray that the saints would frequent the the hours of prayer again. That the Lord's day would be a day throughout morning and evening where we're worshiping Thee and keeping the Sabbath holy. Oh Father, only Thou knowest what Thou will do for a praying people. Lord, send revival to North America. Send revival to all the continents of the earth. Hasten the day when the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Lord, we commit ourselves to You. We cannot force anyone's hand. Thou must work. We commit souls to You, Lord. We commit the backslidden to You that they'll be awakened. We commit, Lord, those that are sorrowing and Lord, those that whose faith has wavered. We commit them to You that You'd increase our faith. We commit, Lord, our prayerlessness to You. Forgive us. Grant us, Lord, the spirit of prayer, as David said. Help us like You, Lord, to pray. To pray morning and afternoon and evening. Lord, where we need, where we can, to arise a great while before day. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We ask this in Your name.